You're listening to the Disney One by One podcast, a chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing. Hello and welcome again to Disney One by One. This week we're on episode 47. How many are on this list total? Our total list is 58, so we're almost... We're almost to the final 10. This is Meet the Robinsons from 2007. And don't forget to check us out everywhere on the internet at Disney1x1. If you could leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, we would love to read that. With me today, as always, is my brother David Rolfing, the Lewis to my Wilbur. Welcome to Disney One by One. Wil- you're Wilbur, man. Wilbur's the cool one. So I know, you know, I know. Again, I get the the worst character but i wanted to mention (laughs) raya and the last dragon scheduled for november of 2020 so after frozen 2 a year later another movie's coming out according to the wikipedia yeah i've seen a little bit about that one so that'll be number 59 (laughs) and joining us this week a new special guest we heard his brother we heard his older brother way back on our beauty and the beast episode but this is not joe bubenick this is billy bubenick welcome to disney one by one hey thanks for having me (laughs) what do you think about raya the last dragon (laughs) Uh, i don't know a whole lot about it it sounds pretty exotic and i think that's uh pretty exciting in a mysterious realm called Lumandra, a warrior named Raya searches for the last dragon in the world. In our film world of sequels and reboots and remakes and sequels and upon sequels, like something new and fresh is sounds sounds good to me. Yeah, it it very refreshing. So, Billy, did you sign up for Disney Plus? Uh, we have not yet, but it is in our plan to jump on board. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. It just it just released yesterday. And uh, there's so much stuff I need to watch on there. I couldn't even make it to the end of the list when I was scrolling through the list of everything that they had on there. I got bored. I, no, I didn't get bored. It's Disney. <laughs> they released a YouTube video on the Disney YouTube channel that was over three hours long. That oh my was gosh. like 10 second clips of everything that's going to be on it. <laughs> I uh, played it in the background the other day at work, just on my side screen. It was just, it was just going as like my screensaver. And I didn't even get through the whole thing. Wait, I'm most excited to watch Mandalorian which I will probably watch like now today. And uh, there's a number of other documentaries and Disney related shows on there that I'm very, very excited about. So checking out Disney plus. And if you have just signed up for it or just, you know, got it yesterday, you can go back to the beginning of our, of our, of our podcast and watch along. Cause I'm pretty sure every single one of these is on there. What a great opportunity to, you won't have to go to the library anymore. Like my, <laughs> yeah, right. A great opportunity to catch up to Disney one by one. Yeah. I, I, I slaved trying to acquire these, all these movies slaved away. And now they're all, yeah, they're all one click away now. So enjoy and go watch the three caballeros, please. And Treasure Planet. <laughs> so, Bill, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do? What's up in the What's up in the world? Yeah. Uh, so, I'm a graphic designer by day, and I spend my uh, my my daylight hours making art for clients. And then in the evenings, nights, and weekends, I spend my time letterpress printing. I do a lot of wedding invitations and business cards, and uh, you know anything that needs to be printed or foil printed. Uh, so I guess in everything I do, I'm an artist yeah. of one sort. You did my wedding invitations. Yeah. Oh, that was a long time ago. 
he has Bill has like the giant like hundred year old massive letterpress machine. I guess it's powered, but it's very yeah. mechanical and very manual. It's a really really cool process and the stuff that the stuff that you make. Yeah, currently I have about seven thousand pounds of equipment. We are uh, thinking about moving soon, and it is not exciting to think about moving <laughs> all of that. You've had to move some of that stuff a few times. Yeah, and I thought for a long time that this was going to be my last move, but now this one coming up is probably going to be my last move. All right. Well, if you if you need a hand, I'm down the I'm, ask somebody I'm else. down the street. Yeah, ask someone else. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. So, Bill, how about your Disney history? Do you grow up watching Disney movies, going to the parks? Uh, yes, and then no, half and half. Um, I feel like I might be a little bit of a uh, oh, I don't know what you call it, like out of left field sort of person. I don't I don't remember a lot of things. <laughs> Uh, my, just the way that my brain works, I guess I just don't remember a lot from my childhood. And so it was a lot of fun to go through this uh, list that we're going to talk about later when we do our top five and, yeah. and figure out what, what I did or did not remember. I think that I picked a couple because I definitely made associations to my current life and not my childhood. And that's how they made it on the top five. I, I think that I've married into a uh, a disney family and <laughs> and so in a lot of ways like all of this has become really fresh to me like the whole disney universe has become a uh, forefront of mind and i'm learning a lot that i didn't know before or care to know i guess when i was a child but here we are you've gone to the parks pretty recently yeah you? so uh for my what was the 28th birthday we went to disneyland uh and i got to wear the uh my first time at Disneyland badge. Okay. And then I also got to wear my, this is my birthday badge. That was a quite a fun experience because I had a whole lot of people telling me happy birthday. What were the highlights uh, ride wise, attraction wise? They have this Ferris wheel at Disneyland that is the, the individual carts are on a, like an elliptical track. So when the Ferris wheel circulates, you get to a point where you're right on the edge before it slides down yeah. like eight track and then goes up and around and swings back down and it just is like it's terrifying and exhilarating and i've never <laughs> felt so alive i've never been on that it just does not look fun <laughs> probably when you were there it was the mickey fun wheel or something like that yeah. and now it's called the pixar pal around oh really because it's all pixar themed it's a really stupid oh, name because it used to be a giant mickey i on think there. it still has the mickey oh. on it though it's it's oh. a it's semantics um so i remember enjoying that a lot we went on the um it's a small world ride, and that was a lot of fun. We went on a Space Mountain, and I had just a, a very real terror that I was going to lose my glasses the whole time. So that ride was not fun. Yeah. <laughs> the Tower of Terror is always fun, no matter how many times I go on it. Uh, and then, and then last year when we, my wife and I got married about a, almost a year ago, uh, we went to Disney World down in Florida. We got married in Florida and uh, it was, it was a very different experience. The park as a whole, I feel like is more commercial. Disney world in my mind is more like oriented towards selling to the people. And of course I don't mean that in a bad way. That just is the approach that they've taken. I feel like, and Disneyland seems to be much more of a, um, like an experience. And maybe it's just because they've been around for so long. Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely have different clientele. A large percentage of people that frequent Disneyland are locals in California. 
as opposed to Disney World as like a resort destination for people all around the world. That makes a lot of sense. Not that people don't go to Disneyland like that, but there's a huge group of annual pass holders in California that go there like every Saturday and hang out kind of deal, you know, as opposed to Florida where you save up to go there like once in your lifetime kind of deal. Because of that, there is definitely a different vibe and feel to the two, the two different parks, two different uh, I don't know if it's if it's worth mentioning, but uh, my wife's parents are pass holders to Disney World. They live about a couple hours north of Orlando, and they go like an obscene amount, like two times <laughs> a month, two or three times a month. They just go and like, oh, we just went for dinner at Epcot. I would love that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't tease Mike like that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the sort of uh, family I've married into. Nice. That's fun. So how about your top five favorite Disney movies from this list? This list that we're almost done with. We're getting there. So I was looking through this list and I was trying to see which movies I like really loved or or connected with, vibed with. And uh, as I was going through the list, I I saw Sleeping Beauty and I remembered the art of Sleeping Beauty, just the the background panels um, that this guy painted. I think his name was Ivan. Ivan Earl. Yeah. Never trust somebody with two first names, but <laughs> his artwork is just absolutely fantastic. There's a book about it, but it's like $350. So I'll, I'll probably never own it. But I love Sleeping Beauty because it's just because of the art of it. The uh, second or number four is Aristocats, mostly just because I saw a meme recently where somebody dubbed Lizzo on top of it. Oh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> where the two, uh, so, some of the cats are singing on a piano and then Lizzo starts singing. Uh, and then these other three, which are the real top three, uh, are, I think are really um, connected for me in a real way because I saw them when I was older and I just remember them better. So that was um, Big Hero 6 is number three for me and then Tangled and then Moana is absolute number one. And I think for me, it's because of the music that goes along with those last two. Uh, they're just so fun to sing along. Um, Moana. Think- it's so good. I love that soundtrack. I feel like that one speaks to me at a heart level because it's like motivation for uh, just doing better in life. Yeah, that's a good list. I think you're the first one to put Moana at the top. I think people probably uh, get worried about putting the new ones at top. I talk about Moana all the time and I, I think it's I think I put it in my top five back in the day. We'll see if it stays there after this after this run. Well, cool. Thanks for that list. And with that, we'll move on to Meet the Robinsons. And now, our feature presentation. Everyone on this planet has a dream. The question is how far you're willing to go to make it come true. Meet the Robinsons is loosely based on a book, a 1990 picture book written by William Joyce called A Day with Wilbur Robinson. The book is about a boy named Lewis who visits his friend Wilbur. Wilbur's grandpa has lost his teeth and he recruits Lewis to help find them. Along the way, Lewis meets all of Wilbur's crazy relatives and that's it because it's like a kid's picture book. So... Uh, so, director Steven Anderson, who went on to make the 2011 Winnie the Pooh, he also worked on Brother Bear, Tarzan, Frozen, Big Hero 6, Utopia, in various capacities. He must have been a fan of that book, or his kid was, or something, so, because he took it and decided to make a movie out of it. Production began in 2004, uh, June of 2004. It came out in 2007, right? Yeah. That's a long time, isn't it? 
Well, a lot of these take a few years to, to make. When it was in production, here's this might explain that question. While I was in production, uh, Disney bought Pixar, which oh, was January yeah. 24th, 2006, which meant John Lasseter came over from Pixar to become the chief creative officer of Walt Disney Animation Studios along with Pixar. And he took a look at the movie. Steven Anderson really wanted to make this because he was also, he was adopted as a kid and he was an, an orphan. He really had a heart for this movie. Lasseter watched it and was like, eh, it's all right, but we need to, we need some more thrilling things in there. So he, he didn't think the villain was threatening enough. He didn't care too much for the ending. So 10 months later, about 60% of the movie had been re reshot or whatever, reanimated, re re-rendered. I cannot believe 60% of the project <laughs> in 10 months. That's more work. And then the amount of time they had spent on it before. Anderson made a completely new villain. They added the dinosaur, <laughs> you know, some things to make it a little more exciting and even change the ending to, to some extent. And so that ultimately became Meet the Robinsons. Casting of this movie, the biggest names in this movie are Harland Williams, who plays Carl, which isn't even that big of a name. Yeah, I was going to say, who, who's that? <laughs> I recognized him from something. Oh, okay. uh, Angela Bassett plays Mildred. Adam West, the original Batman, plays Uncle Art. Adam West is in a lot of Family Guy, too. And he was in a previous one of these movies, David. Do you remember which one? Brother Bear or something? No, it wasn't Brother Bear, but I, de I definitely recognize the voice from a yeah. recent movie. He has a, he has a pretty recognizable voice. Uh, Laurie Metcalf plays Lucille. Steven Anderson, the director, does the voice of Bowler Hat Guy and Grandpa Bud and Cousin Tallulah. And then uh, Tom Selleck makes a brief cameo at the end as, as the dad. Or the old. It was Chicken Little. Oh, yeah. That, that makes sense. Yeah, Adam West is definitely hey, a Chicken that Little. Was, that was on my top five list before I cut it out. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> this movie is so bad. I just love it. The sky is falling. <laughs> so, yeah, Tom Selleck makes a brief appearance in here after them joking about the dad looking like Tom Selleck earlier in the movie. Which I feel like is such a casual thing for Disney. <laughs> like, I just thought that was so surprising when, I, when they did they that. They stuck an actual picture of him in there. It was like Chicken Little. They they had a clip from Indiana Jones at the beginning on the movie screen. It's pretty odd. That's about all I have as far as like the production of this movie. There wasn't a lot of information about it. It, it definitely took a few years, and Lasseter came in and you know changed it around. But that was about it. The score from this movie was composed by Danny Elfman. This was his first Disney animated film, and I think it's only Disney animated film. He's a very famous composer. Did all of Tim Burton stuff. Did the original Batman score. All, all sorts of things. I feel bad. I can't really remember any of the music that came, but maybe that means it's a good music because you don't think about it. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll play a couple tracks for right here. I, th I thought there were some pretty catchy songs. When they when they go into the future, it's the future has arrived, da, 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 da. and they they kind of use that that musical motif throughout. And I thought it was kind of catchy. It was yeah, fun. No, I like it's very Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman's music is very peppy and staccato-y, and he did like Edward Scissorhands and like I said, all the Tim Burton stuff. I love that you said peppy and upbeat like Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, but it's like quirky. Quirky is, I guess, is the right I word. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know. I know. But he did like other Disney stuff he did. I think he, he did Alice in Wonderland, the live action Tim Burton, Alice in Wonderland. Stuff yeah. like that. He's just a quirky guy. Included on the soundtrack and in the movie were songs by Rufus Wainwright, which I recognize immediately. He has a very recognizable voice. Waiting across the Rubicon, wondering what side I'm on. 
What are these visions of me as a young man with one arm pointed and the other arm holding your hand? Neither Rob Thomas sings a song in this movie. Uh, Jamie Cullum is in it. The Jonas Brothers and uh, the All American Rejects all have songs on the soundtrack and in the movie. <laughs> I haven't heard of the All American Rejects in a hot Yeah, minute. they. I think in the credits. They sing their own version of The Future Has Arrived is what it is. The Future mm. Has Arrived. Like a rock version. And you hear uh, There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow by They Might Be Giants, and that song originated in the Carousel of Progress, which is an original Disneyland attraction, an original Walt Walt Disney christened Disneyland attraction that it, that got moved to Disney World, and it's now in Tomorrowland at Disney World. The uh, Carousel of Progress. That's where There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow. That's where that comes from. There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow Shining at the end of every day There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow This movie was released on March 23rd, 2007. It was released in over 600 3D, real D, Disney digital 3D equipped theaters. I read something online about how in the 3D, the credits, all the credits were in 2D, except for the 3D artists, they were in 3D. And I thought that was so funny. Very selfish of them. (laughs) It had moderate reviews. And it made uh, its worldwide box office was 169 million on its 150 million dollar budget. So, I guess decent return. But if you factor in marketing and stuff, it probably didn't make a profit. That year, the best animated feature Oscar went to Ratatouille, and Meet the Robinsons was not even nominated. So, that's about all I got about that for now. David, any other interesting facts about Meet the Robinsons? They had a lot of Disneyland references, particularly Tomorrowland. As you mentioned, Carousel of Progress, the song. This movie is just closely related to Tomorrowland. Obviously, they have the Space Mountain cameo, and they're flying into the city, and the sign reads, Today Land. And the Astro Orbiter. Yeah, and (laughs) Wilbur travels from the year 2007 to 2037, and originally Tomorrowland was supposed to be 30 years after the 1955 year when they built it. So there are a lot of connections there with Tomorrowland. Yeah, Um, which I liked because I I love Tomorrowland. It's my favorite land. (laughs) Now, I'm not talking about the Tomorrowland movie with George Clooney, which was unfortunately unfortunately pretty awful. Is that any, have any similarities to this movie? I haven't seen Yeah, it. I mean, when they go to Tomorrowland, in Tomorrowland, it's very similar looking. I mean, it's more realistic because it's a photorealistic movie or it's it's live action. But there's even a Space Mountain looking building in Tomorrowland, in Tomorrowland. Okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, very reminiscent, actually. Not necessarily, in, not really in plot, but definitely in some of the, some of the design. So this movie is like a combination of Tomorrowland, Back to the Future, and like the Jetsons or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the third yeah. one would be. Something about an orphan, not the Jetsons. Annie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow. So yeah, that's oh, that's Meet the Robinsons. Bill, what is your? He's just singing. Uh, don't mind me. 
What was your relationship with Meet the Robinsons? Had you seen this movie before or not at all? Yeah, so I uh, saw it once upon a time between the year 2007 and 2019. I saw it at least once. <laughs> uh, I I remember enjoying it. Uh, I remember the the only thing that really stuck out to me was I have a big head and little arms. Yeah, which I think was in the trailer. Same. <laughs> that that struck home. Um, and I, I think I just remember the silliness of it. And now here again watching it uh, the other day, I just am marveling at the impracticality of Disney to tackle such a topic of time travel and the, <laughs> the time continuum and like all of the different, I, I feel like they did a pretty good job though. All right. Well, we'll get into that. David, had you seen this movie besides the dinosaur in the trailer? I had not. And that dinosaur line, I have a big head and little arms master. That's like the last 20 seconds of the trailer. And that was the only thing I recognized. I hadn't seen this before. There's no time like the future. Now my slave, seize the boy. Why aren't you seizing the boy? <laughs> Meet the Robinsons. <laughs> I feel like that kind of jump-started all the T-Rex memes. When people make fun of T-Rexes having little arms all the time. I feel like that's like a thing now, and it kind of came from this movie. I think hmm. you're right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've always thought they looked like silly <laughs> silly ferocious creatures but this t-rex in particular i mean we let's we can talk about this later but I, that was a scary t-rex it was so fast yeah i was like what how the heck are they not all gonna get eaten right now all i can remember of the t-rex is at the end of the movie when he's laying on his back and he's got his toes in his mouth or whatever and he just looks like a little baby <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember it being ferocious mike had you seen this yeah this is this may be the first one on our list besides Little Mermaid because it was written down in my baby book where I can tell you almost precisely when and where I saw it. I probably have the ticket stub on my shelf down here in a bag somewhere. But uh, this came out when I was in college and I was in Michigan. I was intrigued by it being in 3D because that was like a new thing. At least the new incarnation of 3D was coming around this time. And that was like the, one of the first movies to be released in 3D in the new wave of 3D. And there was one theater in Grand Rapids playing it in 3D, Celebration South. And so I went with a couple friends to Celebration Cinema South and we saw Meet, Meet the Robinsons together in 3D. I hope you saw Ratatouille the same year as well because that is a much better movie. Uh, probably. I don't <laughs> remember that specifically. I think I probably just remember this more, speci more specifically because of it was 3D and that was like a big deal. So yeah, I had seen it and I definitely remembered a lot of it. I guess it wasn't that long ago. It was 10 years ago, 11 years ago. So yeah. Bill, now that you have seen it again, what's your initial reaction to Meet the Robinsons? I enjoyed it a lot. I think that it was a lot of fun. I think that uh, just the, the premise of a young child at a science fair creating technology that everybody thus far has dreamed of and has had no way of attaining. I just love this improbability. But also, I, I love the idea that maybe uh, that inspired some kid to, to, to do something radical. Yeah. David, how about you? Initial thoughts on Meet the Robinsons? Um, it was kind of a breath of fresh air after Chicken Little, Home on the Range, <laughs> and Brother Bear for me. <laughs> so it didn't have much competition as far as the last three weeks of movies, but um, yeah, it was good. It was a little bit too long, but yeah, I really, I enjoyed it. I 
think they could have condensed it a little more as far as like him getting to the future a little bit quicker. They spent a lot of time in the past before they got to that main plot line, but it had lots of good twists and turns and some nice like back to the future esque like the twist at the end with his mom and lots of little clever story and plot items like that. So I enjoyed it. Um, wasn't one of my favorites ever, but we can talk about some of the things that were good and bad about it. How about you, Mike? What was your first reaction after seeing it for so long? I think if you think about this movie too much, it probably falls apart, <laughs> uh, which I haven't done that yet. We, we can maybe we can talk about that if we really want to. But if you just let it be and don't think too hard about the different timelines and rifts in the space time continuum and whatever else happens in this thing. Yeah, it's fun. I think it's a it's a charming little story. I think you definitely feel for the characters in a number of different ways, especially the main kid, you know, who's stuck in an orphanage, smart kid, but he's a little weird. And I don't know, is that how adoption works? I wanted to know that as well. Do you, Interviews? Yeah. <laughs> do, do the prospective parents just sit in a room with the child alone and talk to them? That seemed a little odd. I'm not sure. And they show off their talents in front of them. Maybe not these days. Yeah. But maybe back in 2007. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, as a whole, I mean, this movie's fun. It has some good action, some cool design. I think the animation still holds up, unlike Chicken Little. They definitely progressed in the last couple of years. At least, I guess, it. yeah, Chicken Little was 2005, so they had a couple of years to improve. And overall, storytelling good, script good, cast was good. Yeah, eh, it's not like, it's not going to crack my top 10, I don't think, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's fun. So do we want to talk about this plot in a little more detail? <laughs> what is the twist at the end is what? It's like Lewis, the boy, it discovers that he is the same character as the dad of the boy who took him into the future. Mm-hmm. The boy is actually his son. And his parents are the teachers, the teacher and the science fair lady. Well, they're yeah. his, ado- his adopted, adopted parents. parents. Right, right, right. So that that doesn't matter. But then his childhood roommate is actually the bad guy who's coming back in time to ruin Lewis's invention to like sabotage his rise to fame. Is that what's going on? Yeah, just to destroy his whole life. Because he dropped a pop fly because he was too tired. This is actually really complicated. (laughs) Oh, we were just talking about the pop fly. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if y'all saw this on the on the interwebs, but I just really love this idea of uh, Easter eggs in Disney movies and okay. how they're everywhere and just people love dropping them in wherever they can. There's a couple um, advertisements in the, on the fence in the background behind Goob, uh, and one of them is the Jungle Book. One of them is the uh, Toy Story movie, and then from a different angle, they show Monsters, Inc., and I just really love this idea that uh, these movies are in the same universe. I'm trying to scrub through and find that right now. I did not notice that. David, did you yeah. notice that? Was this when they showed him catching the ball or when he failed to catch the ball? Yeah, when he okay. failed to catch it. There's also a huge theory that all the Pixar movies are connected. Have you ever, have you ever read that? Yeah, and the octopus isn't from Finding Nemo's in all of them? Well, the Pizza Planet trucks and everything. Oh, okay. And it's basically like, I forget the timeline. I'd have to look it up, but... Like Brave comes first, right? Because it's Brave, like a a person turns into a bear. So there's something funky going on in the world there, and that has something to do with like the monsters in the closets. And then like Wally happens at some point, 
and like that's like kind of the destruction of the world and because you know all the humans leave yeah. earth or whatever yeah. and then yeah. that causes cars to become evolve and to have having personalities and so the cars movies are actually like way <laughs> in the future like way after wally this is uh, amazing I'm trying to find the Pixar theory. Hang on a sec. I have it. You do? How close was I? It goes, The Good Dinosaur, Brave, Incredibles, Toy Story, Finding Nemo, Ratatouille, Toy Story 3, Up, Inside Out, Coco, Wally, Cars. So you got that right. Wally, then Cars. Okay. There's all sorts of videos about it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, some of those movies, they just slapped in wherever. Yeah. Inside Out could have happened whenever. Coco <laughs> could have happened whenever. It's fun to think about. I don't think they really meant to do that at all. I thought the songs were okay. We've we've talked a lot recently about how Disney's using songs in this last batch of movies. They sort of abandoned the musical concept way back in like Mulan was a long time ago and the songs in these movies have just been third party people singing kind of about what's going on um i thought this was not the worst offender we had uh the song another believer by rufus wainwright i think was during one of the montages We had Little Wonders by Rob Thomas, which was at the end when everything's happy again. Those are kind of the two big songs. There was also uh, Jamie Cullum's song, Where Is Your Heart At? You asked me over and over and over. Have you seen my peacock feathered hat? I enjoyed a lot of the different characters. I mean, the main character was a little bit like arrogant at times, especially his interactions with his son who he didn't know he was the son but i don't know he he was you felt bad enough for him of how like the terrible situation he's in at the orphanage that he's still you still like him but he it wasn't the best protagonist the the son character was actually had a lot more personality than the dad did and so it's lewis and wilbur wilbur's wilson yeah wilbur's his son yeah wilbur was a good character i thought that he Whoever voice the voice actor for him did a great job. Uh, the, the villain, what's his name? Goob. Goob or the bowler hat guy. Yeah, he was like a very silly villain. He was he was was never really threatening. So I think they they played that off pretty well. Well, they ended up using that that hat as more of the villain. Yeah, you're right. Because the hat ends up you know in, in whatever timeline they end up in procreating and like taking over the world basically it was much more involved in the machinations of the of the bad guy than the bad guy actually was the hat did a lot of the dirty work so another twist that we didn't mention another complication in the <laughs> this is what i was thinking about earlier when i was like this is so complicated <laughs> a lot of layers to it but i guess it i guess kids can just kind of let that wash over themselves and enjoy this and i guess we can too because i don't want to think about it too hard <laughs> Now, if they made Meet the Robinsons 2 and they visited the scenes from Meet the Robinsons 1, like they do in Back to the Future 2, then, then we're, getting, we're getting real screwy there. And then Meet the Robinsons 3, they can go to the, world, the Wild West for no apparent reason. So, <laughs> Yeah, David, I agree with you. I think the characters are really fun in this. 
I was watching this with with my wife, and when Goob was first on screen, she's like, "What is wrong with that kid?" And I was like, yeah. <laughs> "I didn't realize until a few minutes later that he's just exhausted because his roommate is up late doing science fair projects." So that was this pretty funny, and it's funny how like oh, a little thing like that that you wouldn't think could affect someone uh, could ultimately change their core, their direction in life, which is an interesting way for them to go about turning the bad guy into a bad guy. Lewis is basically Jimmy Neutron. Did you think of that? I, yes. I, I called him the Jimmy Neutron boy when I was referencing him. <laughs> Jimmy <laughs> Neutron, the movie, Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius came out in 2001. So this movie definitely ripped off the hair as a child inventor. That is brilliant. Was Jimmy Neutron like a Nickelodeon thing? Um, yeah, Nickelodeon movies. Okay. And he had a show, but that was the movie, which I remember seeing in theaters. Yeah, I used to watch that. And then this movie ended with a quote from Walt Disney on the screen. It's kind of bringing it around. There's definitely, definitely they're fans of, of Walt Disney and Disney parks, as we talked about with the Tomorrowland references. So the, the quote said around here, however, we don't look backwards for very long. We keep moving forward, opening up new doors and doing new things because we're curious and curiosity keeps leading us down new paths. Walt Disney. So I guess a charming little ending to a charming little movie. Yeah, I thought it was really sweet that it was like a, a tribute to Walt Disney and the things that he believes, and I thought that was really nice. Now, if they would have put a Walt Disney quote at the end of Chicken Little, <laughs> I might have been like, you don't deserve that. <laughs> I looked up the trailer and just to make sure that the dinosaur was in there, Yeah, which he is, and most of the YouTube comments are, this is the most underrated Disney movie of all time. So people, it definitely has its fan base well and i was surprised about how little there's there is about this on the internet i mean i normally just go to wikipedia to find the history and they're robust this wikipedia page had basically nothing and so i clicked around and i found a couple more articles and things to reference this is right at the beginning of sort of the new resurgence you know like david like you mentioned there was you know whether you like him or not there was atlantis treasure planet brother bear home on the ranch chicken little kind of this at least box office wise, this downturn. And then I feel like Bolt, which is next week, really starts to to bring that back up. And then you get Princess and the Frog and Tangled and Wreck-It Ralph and Frozen. And then we're like to now. And so this was sort of that middle ground. It's like a good movie. It made decent money, but it's just people just kind of forgot about it. I just think at this point, there are so many different competitors True. in computer animation. I mean, Pixar is the obvious one, but I mean, there's so many other studios in the 2000s that are competing with Disney. And like, obviously we weren't at the right age to really be into these when they came out, except for you saw it, Mike, because yeah. it was 3D. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like the in the 90s, Disney was the best animated movie studio and there's just a lot more competition now. So like, I think all of these movies in the early 2000s are just kind of hidden in the pack because there's lots of other stuff coming out from Nickelodeon and whoever else. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the other big animated features in 2007 were Ratatouille, Surf's Up, B-Movie. Oh, I like that one. The Simpsons movie, Shrek the Third. There was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There was Disney put out Enchanted that year, which is live that was a live action movie. All sorts of stuff. So you're right. There's It's just sort of oversaturated. So with that, Bill, 
It is the duty of our guests to create a rating system specific to the movie we are talking about. Dang it. I knew this was coming up too. And I thought about it. So we need, we need, we need something to rate to meet the Robinsons out of. No, no, no. I think that the, the, the really clear answer here is bowler hats. All right. How many? I think just a, no, a normal 10. Okay. How about 10 evil bowler hats? That's pretty subjective. <laughs> All right. Out of 10 <laughs> bowler hats, what would you, Bill Bebenet, give Meet the Robinsons? I'm going with 7 out of 10 bowler hats. Okay. And your final thoughts? I enjoyed it. It's definitely worth the watch. Uh, I think that uh, some people are on either end of the bell curve. Some people online saying it's the most underrated Disney movie ever out of their minds. And I think some people saying that it's not worth the time at all, also out of their minds. Cool. David, out of 10 bowler hats, what do you give me the Robinsons? I think I'd give it a 7.7. Nice. That's pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I watched it because I hadn't seen it before. And I don't know. It's fun to watch a movie you don't have any expectations for. So that definitely helped. And the title doesn't tell you anything. No, yeah, not at all. I didn't know they're going to the future. I didn't know anything. I didn't even remember the dinosaur before watching it. I just remembered it as I saw the dinosaur saying that line. But I thought it had some really fulfilling themes. Like there's a redemption for almost every character at the end, which was satisfying for a, a kid's movie. He gets his family we get to see him like starting to, you know, he walks into the atrium where he's going to build the future basically. And like he even helps, helps out Goob, the bad guy. And what does he do? He makes sure that he doesn't turn evil, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. He makes him, he wakes him up. So he catches the ball. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which was still totally accident. Cause he just is like yawning and stretching. Yeah. And the ball lands in his hand. But I don't know. I thought it was a very clever story. It definitely was not straightforward. Lots of twists and turns. So I appreciated that for one of these average Disney movies. Mike, what would you rate it? I'm, I think I'm at 7 out of 10. It was good. Like I said, not going to crack my top 10. But as you said, David, refreshing after Chicken Little. And um, <laughs> fun characters, fun story, good music. Just a solid Disney movie. And yeah, it's kind of been forgotten, but... Now you can go and watch it yourself on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> so with that, Bill Bumenick, thank you so much for joining us today on Disney One by One. Thank you for having me. Why don't you tell us how we can find you on the internet, find your work? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so I make sweetly offensive letterpress greeting cards. Uh, they're mean but funny. And you can find me on Instagram. My uh, handle on there is West Park Creative STL. Yeah, there's some fun stuff. And you have Etsy stores as well, or an Etsy yeah, store. Yeah, yeah. I, I sell on Etsy. I, uh also make enamel pens and they're all animals and pun based like what's what's the what's one you have like a, a fox one yeah, yeah yeah so i got a fox and it says zero fox given okay nice yeah <laughs> uh, it's a lot of fun to try and explain that to old people <laughs> and i have to i have to stare at them and i have to gauge whether or not they want me to say the f word or not right and then you have a whale one right what's on the whale yeah the whale says whale sh- <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and he's just, the look on his face is just like, oh gosh. And David, thank you so much for joining me again, as always. All right, Lewis, knock him dead. That was a figure of speech. Please don't kill anyone. And you can find us everywhere on the internet to Disney 1X1 and leave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts. We'll read it here on the show. Next week, we'll be back with Bolt, and we'll see you then. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Disney One by One podcast. 
If you have any questions or suggestions, send us an email to Disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Disney1x1 and at Disney1x1.com. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Disney One by One podcast. <laughs>